you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Jehovah's Witnesses, once again, are acting like the mega corporation that they are. They're having a rough time in Australia, thanks to the Australian government's investigations, and they're doing everything they can to cover it up. We're going to take a closer look at how this is playing out. Scott Lively decided now is the perfect time to explain to the public why homosexuality is worse than slavery. In all honesty, if we're using the Bible as our moral guide, he's right. But as far as I'm concerned, this just proves that no mentally and emotionally stable human alive uses the Bible as their moral guide. But before we take a look at all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Garrett. Uh, I'm from Missouri. Um, I have a question about the recent uh, plot by Order of the Nine Angles. This is a thing. This just came out in the news that uh, Order of the Nine, uh, a member of Order of the Nine Angles. Uh, recently got caught with his friends plotting to basically kill his entire unit in the military. He was like a military soldier, and he was plotting a mass casualty incident. And I find this concerning because these guys aren't just Satanists. They're actual neo-Nazis. And uh, it just seems so weird when you fit all the pieces together with you know, the alt-right and 4chan and all that kind of stuff. And I was wondering what your take on that whole thing was and whether these guys are maybe more active than what they let on to be and if they may, in fact, even be a risk to uh, national security. Uh, let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's a really interesting question. So the Order of the Nine Angles, I don't know if my audience knows about them or, or what you guys know, so I'll just give a little bit of information on it. Uh, it is a branch of Satanism that is legitimately violent and legitimately scary. The caller said that they're neo-Nazis and stuff. I don't think that they are by default that's not like one of the doctrines as far as i know it 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 may be but it's an extremely disturbing branch of satanism and they actually believe in blood sacrifice so they believe that you have to kill as a ritual to remain a part of the group pretty much and they've existed for like a very long time actually and they get around the restrictions the legal restrictions about murder and things like that by joining the military joining the police force and things like that and there's a real short prayer that you're supposed to say after you kill somebody basically in a ritual to make it a sacrifice uh, to satan pretty much and so as police officers, as members of a SWAT team, as members of a military unit or whatever, they will go through and do their work and kill somebody and then say their prayer afterward over the body. And there's their blood sacrifice. It's, it's really, really disturbing stuff, genuinely disturbing stuff. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to hear that a lot of them are neo-Nazis or white supremacists or whatever. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think what we should be more worried about 
is neo-Nazis and white supremacists in general being in the military and the police force. I think Order of Nine Angles is a small enough sect that they're not really on my radar, and I don't really feel the need to pass legislation specifically for these guys because it is so small. But I do want to pass legislation for white supremacists and neo-Nazis and stuff, and I do want to keep an eye on this because it is legitimately scary stuff. Um, hi, this is Nameless. I'm from Arizona, and right now I'm a closeted atheist. I was trying to keep my atheist things a secret from my very religious family, and I just need to let you know if you have any advice to keep it these sorts of things secret. I don't really know. Um, you see, I've been in the religion for quite a few years, but I sort of broke away at the beginning of the year when Logic finally, you know, got in. Shoot, um, I hit the wrong hi, button. I'm sorry. Nameless. Hang on. Logic finally you know, got into me, and um, I have some issues with the church. Um, for example, I'm sorry, I, I don't have much to say, but they have a very strict lifestyle, and I don't really like the persona that they're trying to put on to me as this um, cult personality, essentially. And my uncle has been having cancer for two years, and my delusional family thinks it's supposed to be a sign from God that we're supposed to be obeying him harder. So I'd like to hear you back. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call on that. That That is really disturbing. Hiding it is very difficult, hiding your atheism, and it's extremely important in a lot of cases. There are a lot of families out there who would completely disown their children if they knew that they were atheists. In fact, my family did that exact thing to me. And it wasn't even because I was an atheist in my case. It was because I had, quote-unquote, sinned in their eyes. So it, it's a difficult situation to deal with, but I would suggest you start by getting secret accounts, like secret Twitter accounts, and engaging with like-minded people. That would be a really good start to try to keep you mentally healthy, to try to keep you from just spiraling into this, you know, dark depression. Finding people out there who think like you do is a, a step in the right direction. So maybe try having a Twitter account where you can feel safe communicating. Make sure you don't write the password down anywhere. Hide the password well and stay logged out all the time. Do not stay logged in on your phone or computer or anything else. Log in directly every single time and type your password in directly every single time. Don't save it anywhere or write it anywhere. Also using encrypted devices, like using an iPhone with like a passcode or, or Android or whatever with a passcode would be good. There are also encrypted chats out there. For example, Telegram is encrypted. You can talk to people through Telegram, and there's n no easy way for people to get into that and find the messages through, like, the cell phone provider or anything like that. So that would be my suggestion, and good luck with it, because I know that cannot be pleasant, hiding who you are like that. It's not fun, it's not pleasant, and it's not good for anybody mentally. So stick it out and keep powering through and do your best and know that we will be here for you as a community 
I will be on Twitter talking to people who tweet at me or whatever. So hit me up on there if you're interested. Hey, Owen. My name's Josh. I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, I know this isn't necessarily something that you cover on your channel typically, but uh, all this drama in the world lately has been has me thinking, uh, what would it take, at least in your opinion, what would it take for world peace to be achieved? And in your opinion, what uh, what would world, world peace actually mean? And uh, do you think it's actually obtainable? Uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, thank you. All right, bye. Awesome question. It's really interesting. And it's complicated. Something that I've noticed about world politics is usually there are two sides to a debate when you're dealing with like a world stage. When you're like in the US, there are two sides. In basically every single country, there are two sides for the most part. And there's something called an Overton window. The Overton window, it, for those who are unfamiliar, is basically the window of acceptable discourse in culture. So right now in the U.S., what we're dealing with is Medicare for all just kind of slipped into the Overton window not long ago. Like in the past, like, five to ten years, Medicare for all has been seriously and honestly debated and discussed. Now, you can bring up basically any subject in society, but depending on how far in one direction or the other it is, you'll be laughed off stage. For example, if you come out and start talking about how everybody in society should start wearing hijabs in the U.S., you're going to be laughed off stage. No one is going to take you seriously. That is way outside of our Overton window. It's way outside of our window of acceptable public discourse. Typically, when you're dealing with discussions like that from country to country, there are two sides, two primary big political discussions taking place, like two big parties. In the U.S., it's the Democrats and the Republicans. In the UK, it's the Tories and the Labour Party. But generally speaking, in a more broad sense, I think that on a world stage, what you're dealing with is really dipshits and scientists more than anything. Those are the two groups that are battling each other, dipshits and scientists. And then you've got corporations who will use either the dipshits or the scientists to their advantage depending on what they want to happen. Giant rich corporations, billionaires, things like that. They will use whichever side gives them the, the best advantage, pretty much. So right now, the way I see it is, in the US and in the UK and lots of other countries, you've got people screaming about immigration. Immigration! The immigrants are coming! They're gonna take our jobs and all that other nonsense. Is there merit to those claims? I'm sure somewhere in the world, immigration is a real concern that needs to be addressed. But in the US, and I think honestly too in the UK and lots of parts of Europe, it's all fear-mongering built on top of the, the whole dipshit alpha male tribalistic ideology. I think in most 
cases in developed countries, like in first world countries, basically, right now. Immigration, the immigration debate is mostly built off of tribalistic fears of others. That's what it's all about. So to achieve world peace, to get back to the voicemail, to achieve world peace, I think first you would have to deal with the alpha male dipshits that are running the world right now. I would categorize President Xi from China, Putin from Russia, Trump, Bolsonaro from Brazil. Those people I would definitely categorize as tribalistic alpha male dipshits who are obsessed with dividing people and making people hate each other as much as they possibly can and and holding on to power at all costs. Now, like I said, there is an overarching kind of corporate umbrella that's basically pulling the strings of anybody that will get them what they want. So the smarter world leaders like Angela Merkel or uh, from Germany or Francis Macron, they are more reasoned and intelligent and, and they're taking a more reasoned approach toward things and they're not leaning on tribalistic bullshit as heavily. But again, it, Justin Trudeau, again, they're still kind of having their strings pulled by corporations who want to get something out of them. So I don't think that any government in the world or any government leader is really out to serve the people 100%. I think that either they're tribalistic bullshit alpha males, aka dictator-like tendencies, or they're intelligent, rational scientists, but they're kind of feeding the, the corporations a little bit more than I would like them to. When we come back, I'm going to take a look at an anti-CES letter apologetics website. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the name of this article is CES Letter, Proof or Propaganda? It's on fairmormon.org. Somebody sent me this basically as pushback against my use of the CES letter. So let's take a look at it and see what criticisms this website has of the CES letter. Before we actually read the article, though, I just want to catch people up so that they understand what this is exactly. The CES letter, I talk about it fairly frequently. It's basically a collection of questions. I think it's 114 pages long. Questions that the Mormon church can't answer. They were questions posed to the Mormon church. It's largely, it's split up into sections like the church's history with polygamy, the book of Abraham, translation errors, things like that the history of the leaders, and the idea is every cult specifically has deep issues and has lied to the membership to some extent and spreads misinformation. So this is an attempt to expose that misinformation and ask pointed direct questions to the leadership. How do you explain this? We know for a fact that Native Americans are not descendants 
of ancient Israelites, as the Mormon Church claims. Why do you claim that? How do you square that with your religion? We can do DNA testing and tell, without a shadow of a doubt, they are not descendants of ancient Israelites. So that whole story that you just told in the Book of Mormon, completely made up. We know that for a fact. How do you square that? Those are the types of questions we're dealing with in the CES letter. So let's give this article a read and see what it says. We all have times when, for whatever reason, our faith wavers. Sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's trials, sometimes it's pride, and sometimes it's prosperity. There are as many different reasons as there are different people. During those times, we are vulnerable to other influences. And just like in Alma 32, where a seed of faith can be planted and grown, a seed of doubt can likewise be planted and grown. The CES letter is an attempt to create an alternate narrative for the truth claims of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I disagree. Let's continue reading before I respond to that, though. I watched the early creation of the CES letter in 2013 as the author scoured the internet, crowdsourcing other like-minded people to contribute questions that they would like to see answered. It's been published online and in book fashion, and translated into Spanish, Portuguese, Swedish, Japanese, German, and they're working on Finnish and other languages. It has become a proselytizing tool in attempts to draw people away from the church, and it's been very successful. Some of the former Latter-day Saint community have posted pictures of writing the link in the document into Book of Mormons in churches, Marriott hotels, in hymn books, and other locations. In April 2014, it was spam emailed to hundreds of students at the LDS Business College in Salt Lake City. So... Here, the person is saying that it's offering an alternate narrative for the truth claims. It has nothing to do with a narrative, okay? So, a truth claim that, that's being made by the Mormon church, it's either true or it isn't true. Those are the two options, right? It's either true or it isn't true. There doesn't have to be a narrative in that. When they say narrative, they're implying information control, which is what a cult does, it controls narratives, it spreads propaganda, it twists facts to present its own ideology in a better light, things like that. That's not what the CES letter is doing at all. It's not a piece of propaganda. It's not a proselytizing tool. The CES letter specifically is designed to ask questions to the Mormon church that basically poke holes in their truth claims. Joseph Smith had a Bible from the 1700s. It was a very specific edition of the King James Bible. It had some translation errors in it. We know that they were translation errors because we have the original manuscripts, we have updated manuscripts, and in later editions of the King James Bible, they fixed those translation errors because we had more information. So they went back, they added in the corrected version of the scriptures that we know is correct now. The Book of Mormon quotes from the Bible. And when it quotes the Bible, it uses those translation errors that were in Joseph Smith's original 1700s edition of the King James Bible. Why are those errors from a 1700s era edition of the King James Bible in the Book of Mormon. Why are they in there? They shouldn't be. The Book of Mormon was supposedly written in like the 500s or the 600s, right? What are those errors from an edition of the Bible that Joseph Smith owned doing in the Book of Mormon? 
They shouldn't be there. It's poking holes in the ideology and the truth claims of the Book of Mormon. It's not offering a counter-narrative or anything like that. It's not trying to propagandize. It's pointing out factual errors in the book. Why did the Book of Mormon claim that there were horses in America during the time it was being supposedly written? There weren't. There were not horses in America at that time. It's called an anachronism. That's not a counter-narrative. That's not propaganda. That's asking a simple, direct question. Why are there anachronisms in the Book of Mormon? There shouldn't be. Why does the Book of Mormon, a book written by God, claim that Native Americans are descendants of ancient Israelites? It's a factual claim that is untrue. There are a ton of these questions in the CES letter that we just want answers to. They're not providing a counter-narrative. We just want answers to these questions. That's it. This apologetics website is trying to counter the CES letter by claiming that it is doing what the Mormon church is doing, trying to spin a counter-narrative and propagandize to its people. They can't effectively propagandize to their people with this document out there that pokes holes in their propaganda. That's the bottom line with this website. I've gone through a lot of it, and the main complaint about it is that it's everywhere. You see records of the CES letter all over the place on business cards and stuff like that. The reason that you see the CES letter being advertised all over the place like that is because... That is how you counter propaganda. The idea behind propaganda is you want it to be basically the only source of information that people get. And that's how cults use it. In fact, that's how Donald Trump uses propaganda too. Donald Trump uses propaganda in such a way that he all but guarantees that people are only going to be getting information that he wants them to get. He spreads it on as many media sources as possible. One American News Network, his Twitter account, Fox News. Those are the main sources of information that his supporters follow. And he spreads his information, his narrative, around to those sources. People who follow Donald Trump, Donald Trump supporters, a lot of them don't get their information from any other avenues. So they don't hear a counter to that. They don't hear the counter narrative. They don't hear the arguments against what he's saying or anything like that. So you have to force your way in to their bubble and provide this information. Force your way into the echo chamber. That's how it works with cults too. You have to push your way in so that they get the information that the cult is desperately trying to keep out. That's why you see the CES letter advertised everywhere, because they're trying to push it into the bubble, kind of break through the barrier that cult members aren't crossing. They only get their information from specific sources, so the CES letter is trying to push their way into areas of their life where they wouldn't expect to hear something like that. So when you see something like the CES letter on Spider-Man in a comic book, Mormons are going to start thinking, hey, I saw the CES letter, I should take a look at it. That's how you counter propaganda. They're countering the Mormons' propaganda. So no, they are not propagandizing. The CES letter isn't. They're trying to break through the propaganda 
of the Mormon Church. And here's the Mormon Church trying to counter their attempts at countering their propaganda. Let me just take a quick look at some of these super chats. Nervardia streaming on a Monday again. Thanks, TT. Actually, I'm streaming on a Sunday, but nice try. You're going to keep trying to trick me. You're not going to trick me. It's Sunday everywhere in the world, including Australia. So not going to get one over on me this time. Cancel this podcast, Trump 2020. Sorry, buddy. Can't stand for it. Not Trump 2020. Dude's a moral monster. Dude is an amoral monster. But thank you. I appreciate that super chat. That is the shit. Life in the doghouse. For all their emotional displays, Christian extremists actually want Christianity outlawed so they can live out their persecution fantasy. I got to agree with you on that one. I see Jehovah's Witnesses going absolutely nuts over persecution. Like, they use it in all of their propaganda literature and everything. They're crazy about it. They absolutely love persecution, bizarrely. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses blocking government investigations into the religion. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled... Jehovah's Witnesses in Australia stymie sex abuse probe and funnel money offshore. Absolutely no chance of this video getting monetized, so I'm not even going to bother trying to hide my language or anything. I'm just going to say it. This is by Terry Firma on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a read and see what it says. If you are looking for another shocking example of religious privilege, consider that your average child molester, once credibly accused, will be unceremoniously arrested and tried. Unless he's any kind of religious authority, then, more likely than not, this happens. Here's a quote. There are less than 70,000 Jehovah's Witnesses in Australia, and yet, despite the relatively small number of members, there are at least 1,800 alleged victims of child sexual abuse linked to the church. Not a single case has been referred to the police, despite a royal commission suggesting 514 alleged abusers were worthy of investigation four years ago. This is Terry Firma. According to this report by news.com.au, more than a thousand members of the Australian JW's branch are currently under suspicion of pedophilia. Oh, shit. But at least the organization is contrite and looking to make amends, right? No. Here's another quote. The Christian denomination has refused to join the government's national redress scheme, which aims to ensure survivors of institutional child sexual abuse are acknowledged, recognized, and supported. In 2015, Australia learned about the dark underbelly within the Jehovah's Witnesses Church in the country as the Royal Commission revealed cases dating as far back as the 1950s, which had all been handled internally. 400 members were let go after these internal abuse hearings, but more than half were later reinstated, with one elder telling the hearing how notes relating to abuse claims were destroyed so they would not be discovered. This is Terry Firma again. Due to the number of possible victims, the church risks having to pay well over $75 million in compensation. That's U.S. dollars. Australian journalists who scrutinized the sect's finances noticed that large sums of money were being transferred to other countries in an apparent effort to avoid such monetary obligations. On top of that, this is another quote. According to SaySorry.org, a website set up in the hope of holding Jehovah's Witnesses organizations accountable, the church has also refused to say sorry, refused to meet with survivors, and refused to adopt any royal commission recommendations. 
Remember that the next time you hear Holy Rollers talk about atheists lacking a standard for morality. None of this surprises me, honestly. I'm glad that they're getting the attention that they're getting now. I think one of the biggest issues with Jehovah's Witnesses, really? It says here, in 2015, Australia learned about the dark underbelly within the Jehovah's Witnesses church in the country as the Royal Commission revealed cases dating as far back as the 1950s, which had all been handled internally. 400 members were let go after these internal abuse hearings, but more than half were later reinstated, with one elder telling the hearing how notes relating to abuse claims were destroyed so they would not be discovered. Jehovah's Witnesses, ultimately, they want to set up a government outside of the governments that they live in. Jehovah's Witnesses want to have a running, functioning, autonomous government that is separate from the United States, that's separate from Australia, New Zealand, or European countries. That's kind of their goal. That's what they've been striving for. They have this investigation set up with the elders and everything. They have databases that store names and information about events that took place when people were wronged and things like that. Dating all the way back to the 1950s. And up until very recently, I, I don't know if they're they're reporting it to the police now or not, but up until last I heard through that entire time, uh, they were discouraged from reporting cases to the police. That's one of the huge issues here. And elders have even been disfellowshipped for bringing it to the secular authorities because they want to run this like a government. We read a story recently about Jehovah's Witnesses on the podcast, and Russia accused them of trying to set up a government outside of the Russian government. And that's true uh, in many ways. That is true. They have a system set up so that they are the final authority on everything, and they handle all cases according to biblical standards, basically. So they use systems set up in the Bible to accuse people, to try people, and the ultimate punishment they give to people who have perpetrated these sins, not crimes, sins, is shunning. They excommunicate them. They disfellowship them. They don't report it to the secular authorities like they're supposed to. And that leads to abusers slipping through the cracks, getting away with it. For a while, Jehovah's Witnesses had a system set up where if there weren't two victims, if there was only one victim and no witnesses to the event, they couldn't do anything. The victim would tell the elders what happened, and they would just sit on that. They would just write it down, put it in a file somewhere, and wait until the day another victim appeared. So what these people were doing all through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s, even more recently than that, they would abuse somebody. Their name would get written down in a book somewhere and filed away. They'd switch congregations, and they'd do it again because it, it's basically as though nothing happened 
if it's not two witnesses, if two witnesses weren't there or two victims, it's like it didn't happen. So they'd go to their current congregation, they'd abuse somebody, their name get written down, they'd move to a new congregation where their name isn't written down, they'd abuse a new person. Their name would get written down there, they'd move to a new congregation, they'd abuse somebody. There, this was a cycle that happened for decades, and the Watchtower Society was sued and lost the lawsuit because they weren't providing the names to the secular authorities because they wanted to run their own stupid little fucking government. That's kind of how it works. And that's why they're in hot water right now. And as we can see, they've decided to hide the money so that they don't have to pay restitution or fines or anything like that. Does not surprise me about the Jehovah's Witnesses at all, honestly. Doesn't surprise me. That's what I've come to expect from this corporation. I don't know how anybody in their right mind can defend something like this. This is absolutely disgusting. If they ever had the mandate of heaven, if they ever had Jehovah's mandate, which they didn't because Jehovah isn't real, but if they did, they don't now. Not with this type of behavior. Zolfner, I'm mad at you. Aw, BLM doesn't speak about Nestle child slavery. My reference is that BLM doesn't actually address current racism or slavery. I know that current slavery and racism and things like that are actual legitimate problems, but I have no issue with specific groups addressing their specific problems. I'm not addressing LGBT issues right now. I'm addressing shunning policies by Jehovah's Witnesses and and things like that. Are you going to be upset with me for not talking about LGBT issues right now? Like they Black Lives Matter as an organization has a very hyper-focused goal. They have very specific set of goals that they want to accomplish and that's okay with me there are lgbt organizations out there who are focused on lgbt things there are other organizations like the naacp who are focused on other certain specific things organizations don't have to be hyper focused on on every single issue simultaneously they couldn't possibly black lives matter has chosen very specific key issues to lobby about and lobby against and to carry water for and that's okay with me black lives matter can carry those issues. If I want to support LGBT youth, which I do, I will donate to something like the Trevor Project. If I want to support police reform, then I will support the Black Lives Matter movement. Organizations don't have to focus on every single issue simultaneously. They can focus on what they want to focus on. I do intend to start a charity at some point in the near future where I will provide money, counseling services, scholarships, and stability for victims of cult shunning jehovah's ex-jehovah's witnesses coming out of their religion who were kids and have no idea where to go with their lives from here no idea what to do that's the kind of thing that i want my charity to do is it homophobic that i'm not going to support lgbt people with the charity no they can go to the trevor project for that mine is very hyper focused on one very specific subset of the population who isn't getting any attention right now that that should be okay i can't give 100 percent to every single cause that i believe in simultaneously i can focus on specific causes intermittently and that's what i that's what i do on my podcast when we come back we're going to talk about scott lively explaining from a biblical 
biblical morality perspective why homosexuality is worse than slavery. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled, Christian Extremists Insist Homosexuality is a Way Bigger Sin Than Slavery. This is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a, a read and see what it says. Slavery was bad. Being gay is apparently worse. That's the conclusion from Scott Lively, one of the inspirations behind Uganda's infamous Kill the Gays bill in 2014, which criminalized homosexuality in some cases with the death penalty. He made the comment on Sunday during his Breaking News Bible study program with co-host and pastor Richard May. Let's watch the video and see what he says in it. For me, the, the, the Bible is clear that slavery is, is an unfortunate event, but so are bad kings and wars and famines, and that right. it's not something to lose your mind over. Right. Well, that's, that's true. And, and people find themselves in, you know, look, my father was very severely mentally ill. You know, my family was destroyed by his behavior. Now, I could spend the rest of my life sitting in a chair and crying about what a terrible, uh, you know, lot I got in life. But I didn't. And uh, I overcame my adversities and I've forgiven my father, you know. Do you see Italians today suffering from the discrimination on the war on mafia? Or for having been slaves in the South, right? Yes. The Italians were brought in as slaves too, in significant yeah. for a while. So, so there is a perspective in all of this. And, and the other thing I wanted to bring up is that, from a biblical point of view, there are. Okay, let 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 me just pause there real fast. I can't let that go um, undebunked. So what they're saying is that Italians were enslaved back in the you know, in the 1800s, 1700s also. Unfortunately, there were a lot of different demographics who were enslaved. It's a sad situation to see, but either way, one of the... I don't think anybody is saying that slavery is the reason why uh, people of color are or African Americans are oppressed today. I'm sure that added to it. That's not really what we're saying right now. What we're saying is up until 1965, they didn't have the same rights as white people. Like people keep saying, oh, slavery was a long time ago. They got to get their shit together. Yeah. Okay. Slavery was 150 years ago or so. Right. But you have to remember... I mean, in some places, Jim Crow Crow laws still exist. The Civil Rights Amendment wasn't signed until 1964, I think. And the country wasn't even desegregated until 1955. And it wasn't desegregated by force, like in practice, until later. These demographics of people have been seriously oppressed up until very, very recently. How can you say that a country that just desegregated, like just desegregated, like 50, 60 years ago, is over racism now? It's just, it's done. It's over. There's nothing else we have to do. Everybody's equal when we're done with oppression. That's it. There are people alive today whose grandparents were slaves. I'm just saying. And it was not that long ago. 
Anyways, let's continue listening. Things much worse. For example, which is worse biblically, polygamy or witchcraft? Obviously, the answer to this is witchcraft because polygamy was pretty common in the Bible, weirdly. That's why I find it so extremely strange that Christians are are so serious about one man, one woman. Like It wasn't always like that. I'm not sure why they're so serious about it now. Witchcraft by far. By far, yeah. All right. Polygamy is actually accommodated in the Mosaic law. Exactly. Now I'm going to hit a nerve with this one, which is worse. Slavery or homosexuality? Homosexuality by far. Wow. Okay, now we come to the conclusion here. So they're saying that homosexuality is worse than slavery, according to Bible principles. I agree. I agree. According to Bible principles, homosexuality is worse than slavery. They're using this as some kind of a gotcha, like, oh, you thought slavery was bad. Well, being gay is even worse. No, this is a gotcha for them. You guys are pieces of fucking trash. That's the conclusion I just came to. You guys are... Look at these shit-eating grins on their faces. You guys are pieces of fucking garbage. Listen to these guys. Jesus Christ, man. Let's listen to the rest of the video. By far. I mean, we need to herald that. I mean, come on, guys. Our priorities are all mixed up. Our priorities are all mixed up. We need to herald that. Homosexuals should be ashamed because they're worse than slave owners. Wow, man. How do you justify that in your head? Seriously, this is the morality that comes out of the Bible. Do you want to say that morality is objective? You want to say that morality is objective? This is the objective morality that you get from the Bible. This is it. That's what you want. Take it. You're a piece of garbage. There is no justification for this. I don't even know what to say about these guys. They are nuts. All right, let's let's read the article here. May opened up by saying slavery was unfortunate, quote unquote, but plenty of other things were worse. Here's a quote. There's a perspective in all of this, May continued. From a biblical point of view, there are things much worse. For example, which is worse biblically, polygamy or witchcraft? Witchcraft by far. Now I'm going to hit a nerve with this one, he continued. Which is worse, slavery or homosexuality? Homosexuality by far, Lively replied. By far, May agreed. And I think it's something we need to herald. I mean, come on, guys. Our priorities are all mixed up. That's because the Bible was pro-slavery. The Bible was pro-slavery. There are only six verses in the Bible that are anti-homosexuality, and I would argue that only two or three of those are genuinely against what we know today as homosexuality. It was a little bit different back then. But you know what? Fine. The Bible was against homosexuality. I'll accept that. I'll take it. It was wrong. The Bible was wrong. It was incorrect. It was a tribalistic bullshit book written by tribalistic bullshit people. It's absolutely ridiculous to me that these people are arguing for slavery and against homosexuality. Give me a fucking break. Seriously. Let's see what else Hemant Mehta had to say here. The only possible silver lining here is that they're basing their response on what's in the Bible. God allows slavery, but God condemns men who lay with men, as opposed to their own thoughts. But to then proclaim this answer needs to be heralded suggests both men really believe this today. 
It should go without saying that forced slavery isn't even comparable to a sexual orientation you don't choose. Doesn't hurt anyone and isn't bad. But Lively and May are so full of bigotry that no historical travesty holds a candle to the imaginary gay boogeyman in their mind. I don't even know what to say about this. You want objective morality to be true. You want to get your morality from the Bible. This is it. Anybody of sound mind can tell you slavery is wrong. Tribalistic bullshit hatred for any group based on some arbitrary attribute about them is wrong. Anybody of sound mind capable of reasoning can tell you that's just straight up fucking wrong. These guys obviously can't manage to come to that conclusion. But let me read some super chats before I move on. Anything that focuses on race over merit is racist. The fact that you focus on the person's skin more so than who that person is is racist. Lose the skin, embrace the humanity. I agree with you, uh, except for the fact that people of a certain color in this country over from 1863 to 1963 forced by the government to stay separate from everybody else for those for that hundred year period and for the hundreds of years before that period they were literally enslaved they were enslaved and just like 50 years ago we were like you know we're sorry we're sorry we did that uh it's over now so you're equals we're you can vote and all that stuff now and they are still struggling and fighting and clawing their way up, trying to get to an actual effective level of equality. They're equal on paper, but generations of wealth was generated from the start of the country to now for a lot of white families. There are like 18 million millionaires in the country right now or 19 million somewhere in there only like eight percent of them are black even though african americans make up 15 percent of the country that makes sense it makes sense that only eight percent are millionaires in fact that's a an extremely high number i didn't expect it to be that high considering the fact that up until the 1960s they weren't allowed to be involved in the business dealings of whites in the same way that whites were it's it's honestly surprising to me that the black community is economically as far along as they are considering what they went what they've been going through for the past hundred years two three four five hundred years it's nuts that they're as far along as they are they are not equals yet effectively we need to help rise them up in some way, try to rise the demographic up out of poverty and try to, you know, bring them to where they would have been if they'd been equals all along, if at all possible. It's not possible. Can't really work that way. It's going to take generations to rise them out of that slump that they were put in over the past 500 years, but we should be focused on it and working on it and trying to fix it. That should be a focus of our judicial system, trying to fix that inequality that is there as a result of, you know, the past 500 years of enslavement and segregation and stuff like that. I don't see how anybody could disagree with me on that. It's completely absurd to disagree with that. That was then, this is now, move on. I would love to, that was then, this is now, but we haven't fixed the problems yet. 
We need to fix the problems. The problems are still there. They still exist. They're equal on paper. But that, that's a very recent thing. That equality on paper is very, very recent. We need to rise them up out of poverty if we can. I would propose one way would be to offer free college. Tuition-free college. That would be one solid way of doing it. The black community goes to college proportionately less than the white community does. I think if we could raise that number, it would go a long way in creating generational wealth. Anyway, that That's kind of my position on it. Nervardia, bye. Also, my pet snack says goodbye too. Goodbye, pet snack. Thank you guys for coming. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.